Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo, where we talk about how you can get great deals without having the money up front <laughs> at Walmart or in the past, maybe some Kmarts. But we do it. Me and my, I'm Bill and me and my buddy Sharpie, we're here to tell you all about the great deals and what you can do on Layaway. That's right. Isn't that what we're doing? We're That's talking right. about Tonight, commerce? Tonight we are talking about layaway. Did you say television, by the way? I liked it. Like, <laughs> like a till. <laughs> <To play it. laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's like the uh, I thought longest, it was like longest a, weeks of my <laughs> life. I thought it was like a play into layaway on the television. Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, when I go back to moderately edit this show, <laughs> I'll know more. How are you? Have you, have you been well since last <laughs> night? Less than 20, like 24 hours it ago? Has, Nothing's changed in your world? It has been a long 24 hours. It is going to be a long week. I did take a little bit of a break. I took an excursion tonight uh, during the magic hour. It was about 4.24 p.m., I believe, um, tonight. Oh, 4.20 in Colorado? Nice. Went downtown, nice. took some, just went on a photo safari, an urban safari, if you will. And I nice. uh, took a bunch of photos of uh, basically everybody boarding up all the buildings in downtown Denver. So good stuff. Yeah. Good times. Good Just times. Just getting ready for another American election over here. Stay safe, people. Stay safe. We hope you're well. Well, let's talk about season four, episode seven, Layaway, Fargo. Yes, we are. I... We are over halfway through already. Can you believe it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Hard to believe. So. Twisted, Twisted by Lambert Hendricks and Ross. What a great song to uh, bring us into Orietta's world. Making her tasty Gaztex mm-hmm. self-adhering macarons. macarons. Yeah, so she came. Uh, I was, was going to talk to you about that. Because she said okay. macaroon. But, the, but really, it was a macaron. So yeah, well, I think that's a very it's that's a very astute thing though because many people do that and we're not here to be the police on that. Well, but yes, they are two different they're two different cookies. Totally different. A macaron is the thing that was on the show. A macaroon is a terrible <laughs> thing that has fucking coconut all over I it. I right? like macaroons. Wait, do you like the macaroon? Or the macaron. I would much macaron. prefer a macaroon over a macaron because a Ugh. macaron always seems way, way, way too sweet. Yeah, but that's we've talked about this before. You're, yeah, I'm sweet. You're savory. Sure, we would make a really great couple. We'd never finish either way. Nobody wants macaroons. I do. The the m m a c o r o o n right that. Is a small cake slash cookie made from ground almonds, coconuts, whereas a macaron is something different. It's a little, it's a delicious cookie thing made from like egg whites, and then eventually they added filling and to it. And everything and she said on the show, everything she said on the show, though, was yeah. True. So I actually learned some stuff there. I actually learned that uh, mm-hmm. macarons originated in Italy. Did not know that. Always thought it was a French thing. Um, we have records of it dating back to the 1500s, 1533. Thank God for Wikipedia, right? Your king of France, Henry II. But it wasn't yes. until the 1890s that a little Parisian confectioner decided to put two of those little almond cookies together with a delicious feeling inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what the most important thing about them is not coconut mm. just just gonna say it. i have had some pretty good macarons they are so beautiful i do love that they are my fr- and they're so de- they're delicate like that well that that look on his face when you eat one if you get a good one that's kind of the way you feel whereas when you eat a macaroon you put it in your mouth and then you want to spit it out like sawdust because of the coconut right right i'm just trying to mm. trigger people what were your what was your opinion on delicious giveaways like Mounds and Almond Joy. Complete trash. Never go to that house again. Oh, my God. 
I loved both hey, of them. Hey, put out a bowl of candy, the mixed bag of candy, and I guarantee you when you get to the end of it, it's chuck full of mounds and almond joys. It's like really? It's like when everybody says they... Oh, dude, I shit you not. It's dude. like, order a pizza, get a Supreme. You know what is always left at the end of the, the pizza party? Supreme. You know why? Nobody wants it. Everybody just wants pepperoni or pepperoni and sausage or cheese if you're lame. Wow. Or Neapolitano. Anyway, we can't talk about this. We got other stuff. We got to talk about layaway, is, brother. Is macaroon and macaron a ratapiardo thing? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you got two little cookies coming together. Double yep. up. I did, I did have a, you know, so we were recording this way later Wait, than it's normal. late. It's late, and folks. This is what yeah, we do for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how the self-absorbing gauze, you know, if your throat works the way it's supposed to, and I've choked on some stuff, if it makes it to your esophagus when you swallow, and your uvula, and like the whole back of your mouth is working, you shouldn't really choke on anything. So I don't know. Was it poisoned with gauze because it's self-adhering gauze? Because I looked up gauze tech and it was for, it was like, it sticks to itself, but not to your skin was the big thing about gauze techs. Really? Yeah. It was used, there's uh, it was used by hunters and all sure. sorts of stuff to kind of protect yourself against uh, your boots and stuff. But anyway, who cares? He's dead. She's happy. Mm-hmm. Angel of death. I think we're all a little bit happy. Uh, I mean, the guy was a major dick. We didn't really have... I'm not sad to see Dr. Harvard go. No, not at all. Nobody's sad to see that man go. In fact, we didn't really have much time to even get wrapped around him at all whatsoever. He was just one of those characters that could easily come and go. And, you know, they just made him into an asshole so they could have an easy kill, I feel like. (laughs) You know what? It's, uh, you know, speaking of Rado Piarlo, it's a twofer. She wants him dead because he's got something she doesn't want the world to know. And she did it for her fuck buddy, who's been trying to get him killed for a while now. Yeah. It's a double up. Eh, it's a double ender. Whoa, that's a whole other thing. I, I still really love when she shushes him and brushes the crumbs off his face. That is the ultimate just... <laughs> oh, 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 you got something on your face there. Don't want anyone to know you had a little crumbly cookie in your mouth. No, so no. So sorry. Bye. How about that shot, though, when it's from down low and it shows her and those windows are just, like, glowing red? Yeah, that's what I mean. It was like... Angel of death. It was that... (laughs) I thought it was that weird scene from Lord of the Rings where she's like, you will not... Oh, well, who was it? (laughs) The one Elvin... You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Kate Blanchett's character. (laughs) I kept waiting for that to... You know the scene I'm talking about. (laughs) But it wasn't quite that dramatic. I like like your interpretation, though. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why it just felt that way. <laughs> oh, Sharpie, I'm out of Eagle Rare. I've moved on to Maker's Mark tonight. Okay, oh, yeah. so classic. Um, classic. It's getting my brain going. Let's move past. Okay, that. <laughs> send us any feedback on that because I just think there's too much other interesting stuff to cover. In typical fashion, for the last few episodes, we get a little glimpse of Orietta, then she goes away, and she's hardly a part of the story whatsoever. It's gonna come back, man. It's a boomerang. Trust me. Yeah, I know, but I'm feeling like it's more annoying than anything. It's like a, it feels like a a friggin' sock that's just not quite right on my foot right now. And I know I'm going to fix <laughs> yeah, it later, but it sure is bothering the shit out of me. You're saying you've laced up and there's that little balled up bit of cotton in between one of your toes yeah, and no matter like, how much why, you wriggle them, you can't just you get there? it. Yeah. Who put you there? Why yeah, would this yeah. thing be designed this way? It's tough. It's so oh, tough. Those... Do we want to do any mailbag? Because we, we got some pretty good stuff. Oh. Uh, I, m- I mentioned a few things, but uh, it's funny how I've forgotten what we did or didn't mention last night. Is that bad? Is that real bad? That's real bad. No, I've actually forgotten but, pretty much everything we've talked about this season. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible people. Man, I'm blaming it on COVID, man. Everything's moshed together and ugh, it's bad. All right, Mr. Uh, McFeely. I just, how, about, how, about, how about this? How about we just think the people who sent in emails and we'll we'll refer to them but i will wait i do want to say robert oh i want to talk about robert he has some good stuff very very kindly he had some good stuff but not only that though not only that but the most important sharpie he sent us a smithsonian magazine article with a link to the world war ii propaganda campaign about carrots helping your eyesight in the dark so i wasn't full of shit you were i didn't say you were i I was just laughing at your 
you were, I was just laughing at your obsession about the carrots and seeing it in the dark. But anyway, the bottom line is, Robert, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Yeah, there was some um, artwork in there even that was like, carrots give you night vision and so all this uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was so that they could hide the fact that the British had um, some sort of radar <laughs> in the actual uh, airplane. Yes, yes. Robert also had some wonderful uh, insight about Etherita and Satchel uh, sharing the red hat, the red popping up, and all of those things, and 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 many other uh, Oz-related things. So thank you, Robert. We we love reading all this, and Beverly is giving us some great stuff as well as as oh, so many so many people. Um, can I can I give you a breakdown that I think is related to the episode, and we can use it a little bit as a lens? We have not discussed this. I have not told you this. Oh boy, are you okay? You're about to give me a. Lens. Don't worry, it's not that major. It's are you going to tell major. me I how just, to think? No, I could never do that. That would be impossible. We've known each other far too long. I just couldn't get away from the the layaway thing. Okay. Because I do think show titles on this show mean something. And I kept, so about an hour ago before I was about to hop on with you, and unfortunately because of an Apple TV issue, Apple, uh, I wasn't able to get a full rewatch. So I did some, did some pondering instead. I'm so, glad you pondered on this because I pondered a little and got nowhere. Other than what we talked about in the hot dish. Okay. But I'm enlightened. Here's though. what I think. Here's what I think. Yeah, I don't know. None of these things are right. I'm crazy. Um, layaway is, in, in essence, help me if I'm still correct. Layaway is the idea of setting aside something that you'll have to pay for later. It's kind of like credit. But you oh, know, you just gave similar. me an idea. I wonder if you're gonna go down the same road I am right now. Okay, go. So I kept asking myself, what what was set aside in this episode? Are you asking me? I might as well. Okay, I'll see what you think. And Here's if- something that was set aside: the credit card idea. Loy Cannon's only way out, his best way out of the of the mobster business was the credit card business. That is a little more literal than I was thinking. It's good because it's similar. Yeah. Was it, it's a legitimate thing. So you are, you are correct, I think, as well. I think it's a tie back to layaway, this credit idea, okay. but it's stolen. But I thought to myself, what in this episode is put aside that you'll have to pay for in the future? And I think what was put aside in this episode is the truth. Josto lies. He puts aside the truth, and he creates a false economy of some sort mm-hmm. that you're going to have to pay for later. And what will be paid for after this? Um, people's lives, zero Gatano, possibly himself, maybe satchel, right? This lie, mm-hmm. it may not be in this episode, but it's, it sets in motion things that are going to happen. He's putting the truth on layaway and it could kill so many things. And he's going to, so when I say pay, it's not money. People are going to pay with their lives. People will pay with their livelihoods, the family, the house, you know, as, as Marissa has talked about, the house, you know, these, this Italian house may fall, landing on somebody like a, like a witch. And the whole thing is he's living on borrowed credit. He doesn't have the funds to pay it, but he's just trying to look good, save face, and seemingly get ahead is kind of an idea that I'm thinking about with this layaway. He's trying to act like he's rich. It's the only thing I can think of that's completely being put aside, and it's the truth. Boy, Bill, that's pretty good. You've done it again. No, oh, dig nabbit. Um, what do you think? Do you think that do you think that works? So it's the it's the yeah. I think that's good. I think it, it's like um, it's a metaphor for 2020, basically. <laughs> I think it ties to a million things. Yeah, I think it it's it's not just about this. It's about all the time. There, there, throughout history, we constantly do that as human beings. We set aside something seemingly to get ahead or make something seem better for a minute, only to have to pay. The payback is never worth the interest sometimes. Is it really? I mean, being in debt, having problems. Mm. I don't mean that good kind of debt, but I don't know. That was my thought about layaway. Boy, I really like that, Bill. It is true. I'm just thinking about all the things I'm putting on layaway. <laughs> Some, somewhere in the back of the Fargo, Fargo Walmart, they've put away the truth, and they're going to try to make payments on it. And what, what are you paying with to be able to get back to the truth or whatever it is? There might be something else. Somebody else tell us what they think is being put on layaway. There's a book called The Business of Expertise. 
by a guy okay. named David C. Baker. And I'm going to get, um, I'm going to probably not get it 100% right, but he wrote a line in that book that stuck with me basically since I've read that book, which was earlier this uh-huh. summer. And he said, it was something along the lines of, be good at what you love and be diligent about what you don't. Mm. So in other words, if you're, maybe this, I'm, I'm trying to loosely tie this into sort of the layaway thing because there's things that we're not, that we don't like to do, right? Like pay our taxes, sure. exercise, um, that kind of stuff. And we end up paying for it later. We put it on layaway, we pay for it later so that we can have what we want to do or now. Or on credit. Credit and yeah. layaway are so similar sure. to me, right? Um, but then it comes back to us and it's worse. It's worse later. So yeah. <laughs> be, be good at what you love and be diligent about what you don't. And I always say that every day when there's something I don't want to do, I'm just like, I, this is what I got to do right now. I have yeah. to be diligent about these types of things, whether it's mm-hmm. timesheets, accounting, billing, um, you know, sending that email that you've been neglecting or writing that post, <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Getting around to reviewing the episode of Fargo before you record a podcast in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I really, on second watch, when I, I did get a teeny bit of the front end, I do think that that's just so eerie, that scarecrow-ish scene where they leave him laid out there and the birds are chirping. I'm sorry, I've cut ahead to the... Um, I just forgot the poor gent's name. Demini? Uh, the, 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 thank you. Yeah. Antoon Demini. Antoon Demini uh, laying there just dead. I just Looking like a wrong. scarecrow with all the crows around him. Well, and all the empty, like those, you know, they're crosses, but they just look like sticks you could put up scarecrows on. Yeah. Poor guy. I, I was on the second listen through on that front end. I did catch something interesting. I don't know if it's going to have any meaning, but Calamita says he killed Mario. Choke your sister. And he says he's probably running to the mulligan right now. Like, choke your sister? What? Like, mm-hmm. that's a story I'm not positive about. Killed Mario. Maybe I just missed who Mario was. And it's a character we mm-hmm. know and saw, but choke your sister was. I didn't. Neither of those rang a bell. So definitely the sister one. I, yeah. I don't know. But about then, that. yeah, that. Just so, that, that, that ending when Josto says. Uh, I always say, I, can't, I feel like I'm saying Josto Josto. Yeah. What what do you Whatever. say? Ugh, I think I, I say yeah, somewhere Josto. there's somebody listening to this going, you dip. Actually, <laughs> I don't know what I say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't we just get done <laughs> saying about how we don't remember anything? <laughs> Little Fada, uh, kill every, you know, he's just like, he's kill everyone you have to and leave them for the birds. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's sadness, man. And then we eventually end up with Leon, Happy's cousin, in a pretty serious beatdown. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and by interesting, I mean, I d- not really. <laughs> I felt like they were trying a little bit too hard for to make Chris Rock look like a gangster. When, I felt a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. It came and went, and I was like, meh. I didn't really think too much of it. I wasn't like... It didn't shock me. I wasn't like, oh, my God, he's a bad boy. And I didn't, I mean, he's already had one outburst in front of his uh, wife, Buell. He didn't, like, beat her or anything, but, so that's good. He but lost his cool. He, he lost, lost his, his cool. cool. So we know he loses his cool, but he's a gangster. I mean, that kind of, uh, does, that's, like, rhetorical <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> to use a word from the show. Do you think they're trying to show us that, for the most part, we've seen him as uh, methodical and articulate in what he's trying to accomplish, but yet, like any, like as a as a mirror opposite of shooting from the hip, he's planning and seeing a bigger game. Whereas the Fadas are both brothers are just kind of aimlessly, you know, sticking it around in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to fuck something up and and but yet he has this these loy has these hints of everybody breaks you know even the even the, the the best of them break from time to time but i think you're right they're trying to make sure that we know he's capable of not just telling people to do awful things but be awful himself yeah um uh, loy cannon let's talk about him for a second 
Okay. Um, because I've watched a and read a couple of interviews with um, Chris Rock. Yeah. And, you know, in multiple interviews now, he's brought up Jackie Robinson. Yeah, the boxer. No, no the baseball player. Baseball sorry. player. Um, so he's already talked about um, the boxer, Sugar Ray Leonard, in one episode. Uh, yep. But I'm talking about Jackie Robinson, the, the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. Right. Um, outside of the Negro League. So he has some interesting kind of, there's, there's some interesting stories that he brings up about Jackie Robinson because Jackie Robinson entering Major League Baseball in 1947, I believe, uh, for the Dodgers. He left the Negro League, went to play for the Dodgers, which kind of opened the door to African-Americans entering Major League Baseball. Okay, so everybody thought that was like groundbreaking and everything like that. But the flip side of it, raro pialio, uh, was, was interesting, something that I've never really known about um, prior to Chris Rock bringing this up, and that was how devastating Jackie Robinson going to the MLB was for black-owned businesses that centered on the Negro baseball. On those leagues, yeah. All types of businesses, yeah, like that made, you know, like food businesses, concessions, stadiums, all of these black-owned businesses that were very successful completely collapsed and went away as soon as um, African-Americans started following Jackie Robinson's lead into MLB. Right, and so and Which you're just also was pretty so interesting. Know, like, it made me think about or, like because wasn't it around 1951 that the Negro American League eventually folded? That was their last season, so it's it's timely to this yeah. to this um exactly. This Sorry if right. I, that was a point you were going to make, um, but I mean it know, is, is yeah 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 yeah, and we know. Um, there have been references to that league throughout the show because it's been on the radio. So mm-hmm. um, there's something there, and I don't during, know if during Rattle Piano. I don't know if it's yeah, yep. And I don't know if it's um, foreshadowing, you know, what could happen in the show or what. But I think it's pretty interesting. Um, Chris Rock has a lot to say about this. He did an interview with Noah Holly, or not Noah Holly. Uh, Trevor Noah. <laughs> There's a Noah in there somewhere. <laughs> There's a Noah, Noah there Holly, somewhere. the writer of Fargo, and right. uh, Trevor Noah um, of The Daily Show. So he talked about it a little bit on there. He also talked about it uh, in an article um, on the New York Times, which I think everybody should go check out. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, he goes on to say, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll quote him here because it's worth, it's worth a little quote. He, he said, Robinson's success in the big leagues was a tremendous sign of progress. But as I tell our guests when they visit the Negro League Museum, this is uh, actually, <laughs> this is not Chris Rock. Uh, this is a guy no. from the Negro League Museum. He says, there's always a cost for progress. Uh, Kendrick said, black businesses paid a dear cost. There was an entire workforce that ended up losing their jobs because of that. Uh, but then Chris Rock says, um, humanity isn't progress. It's only progress for the person taking your humanity. So what he was referring to was they talk about Jackie Robinson joining Major League Baseball as you know progress for African Americans, but that's not the progress. Mm-hmm. The progress is for the people that didn't think that could happen. You know, right. it's the people that literally had like a mental handicap, thinking that these people were lesser. That's mm-hmm. the progress, um, not in like blacks moving forward because they were just it's not like other African Americans couldn't do what Jackie Robinson did strange but unrelated uh, black baseball league chatter Uh, also from uh, those similar Mm -hmm. early leagues is a gentleman named Satchel Paige have you ever heard that name? yeah sure Uh, do you know that Satchel Paige played for at a semi in a semi pro team, uh, for a little known team called the Bismarcks in North Dakota, <laughs> I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Was were the Bismarcks in Bismarck? Was yes, it the Bismarck it was a North Bismarcks? Dakota semi pro. They were 
they were uh, you can look all all this up uh it was uh, according to wikipedia it was his first experience playing on an integrated team in the united states and so he helped the, they say they helped he helped bismarck beat the local rival, rivals in jamestown sure so, so interesting interesting actual tie through the midwest through these players to to actual north dakota where which is uh, where fargo is located fun stuff Great unplanned uh, tie-in, Bill. Yeah, nice, nice backup for you though. You're right; it's been in there. So I've, been, I wondered about that though because his name is Satchel, and I don't know any of the background of of that. You know, I just mm-hmm. wondered if he's if that's his real name. You know, what if we find out his? They call him Satchel because that's his nickname because he likes baseball. Likes baseball, yeah. You know, and so he. Who, how do we not? How do we know that Satchel isn't his favorite player, or sure? You know what I mean, and and, and all that jazz. But um, is wow! I just looked up Satchel Page real quick. His last major league baseball appearance in the MLB was in September twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five, for the Kansas City Athletics. There you go. He ooh, he played for the Kansas City Monarchs for quite a few years. Satchel Page has a very uh, long and storied career. He's a great, great player. The Monarchs were on the radio. They were the, one of the teams playing on the radio in Satchel and Rabbi's room. Hmm. That's interesting because he wasn't, at that time in history, he was playing for the um, either the Philadelphia Stars or the St. Louis Browns. Okay. Anyway, we've we've digressed so far. <laughs> That's that was a good our digression, though. That was our for those of you who listen to Nerdy Tech Podcast. That was the Jason Snell, John Gruber deep dive into baseball that has nothing to do with tech. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had one of those episodes? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the the only quick thing tying back into it, and and I know that um, Mark uh, on Twitter pointed it out, and I have it in my notes as well that. That uh, Leon says, you, I got brains. <laughs> you know, for, mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't have a brain, if we're coming back to the Wizard of Oz. He's got big brains. Big brains. He's not just muscle. He's not just muscle. Oh. But I'm, I'm more curious what's going to happen that they, like, he's Happy's cousin. Like, Happy must be somebody of note if they're worried about beating, like if Loy needs to yes. worry about beating up Happy and they're going to need his help, they're either equals or he's bigger. And we know from going out to the car to see Otis and Deffy that this isn't where Loy started. He's, you know, and we already had flashbacks to asking if he misses New York and all this jazz. Mm-hmm. Happy's definitely a significant character. Um because not only that, Lloyd didn't really know who he was, but when all of a sudden he he was Happy's cousin, he's now driving Lloyd's son around, like without question. Um, he yeah. really like went from being not unknown to Lloyd to like being right next to Lloyd for the rest of the show, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's pretty. He's definitely a f- so, he's so a Happy Floyd has some pull. Yeah, but he's also really annoying him. Uh, yeah, he's super annoying. Um. I have some. I have uh, some mail from the mailbag. Grab bag. Go for it. I wanted to chat a little bit quickly about yesterday, <laughs> uh, since we're coming up on the snowman here. Um, Ooh! So yesterday you had mentioned. Wait. So you want to you want to uh, skip over you want to skip over the uh, the 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 tag team duos in, in the car of Deffy and Otis. Um, that would be the next scene. How about I just say one quick thing and then we talk about Snowman. I keep wondering. Okay. Two two quick things. Two quick things. I'm sorry. Um, he quotes a bunch of uh, Mormon stuff. He that killed us shall die. I feel like he's foreshadowing the fact that he won't kill anyone because he's so devout. And it's this whole the blood oath thing. So if you kill somebody, you don't get to go to heaven. Blah, blah, blah. We'll skip over that just a little bit. But he's talking about this little bird, and I think he's the little bird. He's just, he just doesn't want to admit he's following him around. That's where his little information is coming from because he's Yeah, he's making up the little birdie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely making up the little birdie. Here's the weird thing about that. I kept thinking, why does he keep calling him Palomino? I don't know. There's there's something there. What's that, a horse? 
So a Palomino is a very specific, it's not a horse breed. And somebody's going to write and go, yes, it is. There's these alleles. And don't worry, I read about it. But in general, it's a color. And it's, it, you're, it's typically supposed to have a gold or yellow coat with a white mane and tail. But what I think about it, though, is Palomino is that kind of lion color a little bit. Lions are golden and brown. But the weird, here's the weird part. Do you know what Palomino means? It comes from the Spanish word that means young pigeon, bird. And so he keeps calling him Palomino, and he says, a little bird told me. But what I think he's really saying is, you're the little bird. You told me. You're, telling me <laughs> you're telling me everything I need to know about you because I'm just watching you. you. You're telegraphing all of the terrible things you do in your life. And that's my guess about the Palomino thing. That's good. It's not really about the horse. It's not about the horse. It's about the other thing, maybe. Mr. Ed was a Palomino, <laughs> just in case you're wondering. <laughs> and Trigger. So, <laughs> oh, anyway. That is interesting. Yeah, so the little so, birdie. Uh, he's little, little birdie. birdie. So he's the young pigeon, which means, anyway. So, so let's go back to your thing. I'm sorry. Young pigeon. Thank you for uh, indulging me. Well, if we're sitting in that car, and if we're sitting in that car with the young pigeon and Deffy, uh, and we're looking out the windshield. They they do a little shot there where you see they're kind of catching the corner of apex vending, and you know <clears throat> the vending whole aspect of the whole name of the business is cut off and just says apex on the the little Lloyd Cannon Fortress over there. Really? So I don't know if that's on purpose or whatever, but it has me thinking that, you know, apex meaning climax, like everything's going to probably come to a climax at that location. That's my prediction. And I'm going to get more Mm. into my predictions later on. But I like that, dude. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Talk to me about Mr. Snowman. Tell, okay, tell me about so, that. We're, back to, uh, we're at the smut. We're at the so for everyone else. We're at we're at the Smutney house. They're bringing in boxes of cigarettes. They're using it as a storage place. Ethelreda and Lemuel, like like the Bible, and go scene and action, <laughs> action. Yes. So as Lemuel's in there poking around, we see snowman. Uh, Doing what you accurately accurately described as the useless box, or also called <laughs> the useless machine, which yeah. are those little boxes where you like you press a, a button or something, and then a little hand comes out of the box and flip flips the yeah. switch the the opposite way that you pressed it. So yes, you were correct in that that was called the useless box or useless machine. I don't know if that's what they were going for. It just, rem- <laughs> it just but it reminded us. It reminded it's it. the little yeah. It's the little Japanese cat paw that comes out and goes wink and just yeah. like. So it reminded us of that, um, and then we at the beginning. So this is what the this is what writer uh, uh, super fan Brent writes in and says, "You started the episode of the hot dish with I can help, which was actually from season three, not season two, uh, which yeah. we incorrectly said season two yesterday in the hot dish. We did. Um, yes, season three. Yeah, Wait, did you say Brent? Brent corrected us and said." It was actually from season three, which yes, because it was it had a, a Gloria or whatever her name was, um, and the funny thing is the the episode with the little uh, rover that says "I can help" is the same episode where there is a useless box in the episode that she finds in the closet. <laughs> That's right. Do you I remember forgot that? about that? I totally no. How did I forget about that? I totally forgot about it too, dude. Son of a, oh! So we somehow uh, tied two things together in the hot dish and didn't even know it. Season three, episode three. I can help. Useless machine. Wait, which email was this? So I make sure I flag it so I read it because I forwarded you. Or did you get one that I didn't get? It was just sent to me, bro. Oh, it was just okay. Because well, now you have me feeling bad that I didn't remember somebody's name, and you're like Brent. I'm like I'm side emailing. Uh oh. Okay. That's right. Either way, that's great. That's wonderful. How great that's sub- is that? That's, that's yeah. subliminal. So, this is the uh, only scene. Great Paris of the Plains. <laughs> You're on to something. <laughs> this is the only scene we see Ethel Rita. And again, like, Orietta, man. Like, 
I'm a, I'm getting a little disappointed in how disconnected we are getting from Ethelreda. I yes. know it's all coming back, but I'm having a hard time caring. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's because they started her so strong as yeah. the narrator, and and you just you're drawn into her, and I think her her strong attitude and her acting, I think, were so good, and I think that's the. It's it's almost. Oh, I was about to say something terrible. I was gonna say it's almost like she deserves to be on a real drama. <laughs> oh God! I just th- when well, I mean that I mean I mean like this is like a quirky drama. There's weirdness in it, but I understand yeah. you can make really great points. I mean, The Simpsons makes amazing, you know, satirical points. But yeah. Anyway, well, here's I, what I we agree were with you. we were led you. to believe that she was sort of like uh, Molly uh, Salverson type character, or uh, yeah, that's a no. Yeah, we were led to believe that she was going to be sort of that role, and maybe that's the maybe that maybe the jokes on us. What we thought wasn't true, um, or what we were expecting didn't turn out to be the case. Um, so we were kind of led for her to be sort of this protagonist kind of hero um, and being a person of color and a woman. And it was like, oh, great. Now these white crooked cops are the bad guys. So it's like, cool. We got some. We've got a, a well, woman of even color a who's, who's going to lead the charge. And then she kind of just fades away. Well, and on top of that, on your on your thing, though, also, but they are setting us up. There are. Lloyd's crew is moving into her house, and she doesn't feel seem comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, even when he she doesn't even want to talk to him, he's like, "What?" But it's almost like she knows there's something creepy in the room. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, I think I think the Smutneys have uh, like six cents for the snowmen. Hmm. For sure. I did. Try, I did pause, boy. I, for a minute, he. I, I thought Mr. Snowman, or not Mr. Just Snowman, or Mr. Snow, I don't <laughs> Mr. Know. Snowman. Mr. Snowman. Uh, we're mixing that with Sandman. Bring me um, a dream. Bring me a cone. Bring me some cream. He. I thought for a minute he was wearing like some Ringo Star shades in there for a second, but it wasn't. It was just darkness. It uh, was darkness. He's just vegan. <laughs> he's just vegan. He's got those sunken he's got eyes. Sunken eyes. Yeah, he's like, oh, don't write and don't don't add us vegans, okay? Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm fascinated by it. Even after last night when we talked about it, I just I can't wait for the payoff. It is the UFO thing for me this year more than anything else. Yeah, it's like I just can't. I just can't wait. I just can't wait for whatever we wonderfully weird thing is going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine being as patient as I can about it, but I, I, I also want, I want some sort of payoff in it, like a, some sort of spiritual payoff maybe. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Uh, Calamita, or as you call him, Calamari. Mm-hmm. A Calamari. Or wait, did you, did you notice that the, um, the feed and seed place is back in Kansas? No. Not is Missouri. It? That's where that is. So get ready to go to Kink. Oh, I know something I was going to ask you about. Shoot. Uh, we get this uh, audible dialogue of Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to look up Marco Polo based on some Wikipedia crap, which is, you know, the total truth. That can't be wrong. 100% true. Mar- the Marco Polo that we think of that's played in pools was not generally invented until the 60s. But it was based off a uh, game, I believe, Blind Man's Bluff? No. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Blind Man's Bluff. But Marco Polo, the person, Italian, Venetian to be exact. So I still don't understand why they were sitting in the room saying, Marco Polo, Marco Polo. I don't know if they're trying to find each other or, you know yeah, what I mean? I don't know. They were, they were in the same room when they were playing that, right? Yes, and that's why I'm saying I don't know enough about Blind Man's Bluff, and I didn't read enough research enough before tonight to know. I feel bad. I'm sorry. I've let you all down. Yeah, you did we definitely quit. let me down there. Um, but we are playing a little Marco Polo now with Calamari and Rabbi and Satchel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to the feed and seed. 
I think that's what something, there's got to be something about that. Why else would he pull that out of the Bible? Yeah. So interesting that he's so religious that even before he opened the Bible, he put the sign of the cross up. Yep. You know, nobody, I'm going to kill some people, but hold on, let me, uh, let me do a little uh, sign of the cross here before I open this. He doesn't want bad luck. He's superstitious. No. I'm still hung up on your circles that are everywhere. The circle mirror, all the wreaths are tiny. Maybe that was just a sign of the times that wreaths were small. You know, on Dr. Harvard's door, it was just a little circle, but I noticed that they're, even on his face and in, in the background, they're almost always the same size, no matter whether they're close or far away in the scene. You notice that? That is something I definitely did not notice. Yeah. They never seem to take up more than a certain percentage. Like, I'm showing Sharpie on the, <laughs> we can see each other. You know what I mean? They're never bigger than like this. Hmm. Yeah. It's just it's just the blood of Oz permeating the blood through. Blood of Oz. Um, That's right. So we make our way into the the a ooh, the apex. Yes. <laughs> Warehouse and um. The thing that I thought about that that was really interesting was this this uh, this concept of and I mean I'm also watching The Sopranos right now so it's probably not helping me, but the whole Ebel saying well you can't you can't just you know they're made guys like you can't do this like there's these these this more constancy of rules that don't apply to other people you know mm-hmm. like well no no there's rules you don't have you have to respect the rules that we're making but we can do you know whatever the hell we want you know that's just the system don't don't look at me and that's where i think that that chris you know chris rock yeah. loy is just not he's not he's not taking any of that shit he's like okay and i think that just I was realizing that and realizing the duality of that situation. And that's where he just is like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make some shit up and basically run a double, double cross sort of thing. I don't know. What would you call that? It's a triple cross. I think. Yeah. I think it's a triple, I think it's a triple cross. Or is he just, he's lying to get somebody else to do his dirty work. Let's, I don't want to un- do your dirty work. <laughs> let's unpack it a little bit so that okay. uh, we can kind of understand what's going on and listeners can get a recap. So, And I want to make sure that I'm understanding things correctly, mostly. Right. Uh, that's my priority here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Do you have a diagram? Because I actually almost, I'm not joking, I almost drew one. I've got, yeah, I've got a bulletin board and I'm, and I'm making, I'm pinning the threads across. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got no, my that's own for little... cons- that's for conspiracy theories. Well, okay, so, wow. Josto, Josto tells Loy that Satchel's dead and that it was Calamari's doing, <laughs> Calamita's doing, I'm just going to yep. stick with Calamari. Um, it's Calamari's doing, and in the process, Rabbi defended Satchel, but also died. That's what he tells Loy, correct? Right. So now Loy is led to believe Calamari killed Rabbi and Satchel. And wait, wait, wait. Do you, I, thought he, I don't think he said that Cal, Rabbi's dead. Uh, yeah, I believe he said Rabbi got uh-huh. caught in, like, the mix. Okay. Yeah, so, Josto says to Lloyd that Calamita has killed Satchel, and that Irish, R- Rabbi, Rabbi Milligan, yep. Tried to step in. Tried to step he's... in, and also was, was killed. Got, got. They got, got. It's uh, all in the by, game. At the hands of Calamita, who uh, Josto makes it seem like was at the beck and call of Gaetano. So Gaetano's really responsible for all this. Okay? They're a package deal. These yep. two. Yeah. Two, again. So Calamita's just doing what Gaetano told them to do. Meanwhile, Josto's telling Calamita to go kill Rabbi and Satchel. So he's got like two steam engines going at each other right now. And the timing basically has to work out perfect for things to work out for Josto. I have a feeling that's Holy just smokes. not going to happen. <laughs> so as they're in this place, he has Calamita trying to actually kill Satchel and right. Rabbi. Yep. He tells him that, that he didn't say that that's what he ordered them to do, 
but it's what he knows he's going to do. And so he wants him to kill Gaetano in a tr- instead of the trade. And then on top of it, he's trying to make sure that he also kills Calamita by telling him he killed his boy. Right. Exactly. Ooh, that's a gamble. That's a gamble, that, brother. That's exactly it. So, um, yeah. It, for things to work out for Josto, Calamita has to be successful in finding and killing Rabbi and Satchel. Uh, That's a lot of truth. Loy to put has on to kill <laughs> to, to put on layaway. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> That's a lot of truth to put on layaway because everybody's alive. Everybody's alive except for Doctor. Oh, Damn it. both doctors. Doctor, two doctors dead. <gasps> Two doctors are dead. Oh my God. You're actually right. We can't stop. This whole season is called. Uh, I'm annoying myself, man. I love you, Sharpie. I love you so much. Um, Okay, sorry. You were saying so. Yeah, so then Loi has to kill Gaetano, and then Loi has to still be in such a rage that he's going to go after Calamita. That's a lot of chess playing for old Josto's little bird brain. We don't know what's going to happen, but in a theoretical world, Based on what Loy thinks and his, he tells his wife, even if it isn't true, and Calamita fails, gets killed, it does create a perfect world in which Rabbi and Satchel can disappear. Yep. Because in a world where I think Loy maybe, quote unquote, I'm going to use air quotes, wins because Josto will be dead, Calamita will be dead, Gatana will be dead. And he thinks his kid's dead because it's the only truth he's been sold. Mm-hmm. Ugh. What a rough world. Isn't that nuts? You want to watch like an episode of Friends or something right now? Yes, I'm a Seinfeld guy. That's fine come too. On, I'll do that. On. I'll do it. I'll do it. Man. <laughs> yeah, but for real. I'm Thanks gonna, for the dark breakdown. I'm going to need a lot of comedy after the next 24 hours. Mm. Um, okay. So we unpacked that. So everybody on the same page here? Everybody got it? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to, you know what? I will speak for our listening audience. We're with you. Except for the people screaming at us about how wrong we might be about something. Which is probably uh, half the people. Yes. Okay. So so obviously we all know this. Loy lets, Loy's not going to buy into the spiel. Yeah. And they part. Loy's not buying it. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to be dragged down into the dirt where they want him to be. That's what he says. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that he doesn't buy it. I think he just doesn't want to play into the actions they're requesting. I guess that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. Doesn't mean he thinks they're lying. He does. He just does feel like he thinks Satchel's really gone. I mean, we see we see the sort of. We see him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We see him. We we see them try to make us feel sad for Loy, when like they for like, a couple seconds. Yeah, when they like replay his kid Satchel playing in the park and whatever. Um, right. Didn't really work for me, but mm-hmm. I see what they're trying to do. So, yeah. and he tells his wife Buell, which I don't know if I knew her name before this. Um, Buell, interesting name, Buell Cannon. She actually has her initials on her belt. Yes. BMC, I believe it was. Um, so that was that was a little bit heart wrenching, a little bit to hear her scream. Um, so so that's the truth that she's now been sold. So now, now their whole family thinks that Satchel is gone. So Satchel has mm-hmm. a getaway card if he's got if he wants one. You know those getaway yeah. cards. <laughs> I got four. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep them. Yes. You should have them in separate locations. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. And then in uh, and then shortly after that, I'm not sure how much you want to go into that, but shortly after that we see sort of uh, Loy come across that diner's club sign. You think a little bit about Doctor and his friends, and you think about how much Loy's lost, and then you, you kind of get the feels for him a little bit, but just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And his diner's club idea has now been ripped off. Now that we talked about um credit cards uh back in that first episode when when him when Lloyd Cannon and Dr. Senator had that idea to to invent the credit card basically. Um so they put that on they put that on layaway. Now they're paying for it. Um so Doctor's dead. The credit card go, does come out in the form of the Diners Club credit card and that is the real first credit card. 
Mm-hmm. Um, developed by businessman Frank McNamara. So this, I thought, was an interesting story. And we did talk about it a little bit, so I'll just kind of like briefly go over this because I do feel like it's like a total statement in white privilege a little bit because we're, we're led to believe that Loy and Doctor came up with this idea and they w- went to, to banks to try to sell it and nobody was buying it mm-hmm. and everybody thought it was crazy. Uh, the credit card or the charge card is what it was called at the time, was developed by Frank McNamara because he forgot his wallet at a restaurant one time. And they were just like, oh, we're sorry, Mr. McNamara. Uh, It's okay. And he's like, you know what? You should just trust me. Here's a cardboard thing that's worth money. And it happened in 1950, February of 1950. Frank McNamara went to Major's Cabin Grill with one of his business partners. His name was Ralph Schneider. Uh-huh. Uh, the bill arrived, and McNamara paid with a small cardboard card known as the Diners Club card, which was uh, this event was hailed as the first supper. <laughs> Paving the way mm. for the world's first multi-purpose charge card. That's from the Diners Club website as it is today. So <laughs> how messed up is that that a white guy can just go and be like, oh, yep, sorry, forgot my uh, wallet, but yeah, here you go. Trust me, kid, this is worth money. Yeah, I'll pay you later. <laughs> just slaps Loy Cannon right in the face. Oh, yeah, it was clearly, you know, driving in the car, he's like, pull over. It was clearly meant to be distressing to him mm-hmm. that, that so many things in the world are seemingly pushing against him, you know. He's got violence, trouble, personal tragedy, uh, um, a, a, a harrowing journey against what he's trying to make, uh, legitimacy in, in business and get ahead and get away from... The, the other game he was playing, you know, being the numbers or being a bookie or a racketeer. Mm. But yeah. So. The, there's one small thing I noticed, because you know me, I love numbers and background. Um, there's a lot of threes in the Cannon household. Uh, if you go back to when we showed up for the, the useless box with Snowman, there are three... Uh, that we see in the scene three wreaths on the staircase. There's another scene with Buell where we see three candles. And then towards the middle section when Loy, somewhere around the jump rope scene, we see him kind of staring vacantly out the window. There are five, there's technically five candles, but three of them are red. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I was trying to figure that out. I mean, there is a, a painting by a, a What's his, Marc Chagall? You know what I'm talking about? The French painter? Mm-hmm. He has that one called The Three Candles, and that's in there. I just wasn't sure if we were connecting to some sort of France. You know, we've got this Parisian connection in France, and we've got the Italian connections. Um, or who knows? Somebody might have just said, we got three red candles and two white ones, and like, fuck it, put it in the scene. They look great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is that little green light off to the left. There's, there's always just these, this color going on in here. There's just always stuff creeping in, you know, little bits and pieces of stuff. Very interesting. Well, so here's my question. So we, you know, talking about the scene, you know, just, you know, let's odds and sods here as we, as we close into some sort of wrap up, right? Okay. Odds and sods. Swanee and them are headed west. There's got to be something to that. They're outlaws. Well, they're outlaws, but they're going to Philly, you know. You think they're actually going to Philly? I don't think they make it. I don't think they No, no, I'm just saying it's just the, 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 it's it's where they're being pushed or trying to be pushed. But I don't know, man, I'm, I'm really, I'm really stuck on a few things with both of them that I can't completely put my finger on just yet. But I think it's because I get too... Too wound up on other things. Well, we've ha- we've got a lot of characters here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the year that either I see the most things or I'm thinking about the most things. 
because we're trying to like there's there's so much layer and nuance and i wonder if that's what's you know when i look at other reviews where people are like ugh it's boring and i'm like i think it's cuz it's just such a heavy layered story not only of characters but there's this smattering of um political stuff there's a smattering of references to like french and italian culture and there's references to the wizard of oz and there's references to astrology and it's it's a lot to take on sometimes mhm here's what but, i think swanee Swanee doesn't want to leave because she's an outlaw. She's a gangster. She wants to sh- play shoot 'em ups. Mm-hmm. Swanee doesn't want to leave, so she's going to convince. I'm in prediction mode, I guess now. So okay. she wants. She doesn't want to leave. She convinces. Let's say this. She convinces Zelmar. Hey, let's let's continue our little adventure here. Let's go to the Fada House. Right. Let's 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 play some shoot 'em ups at the Fodder House. So they go off, skip their train, go to the Fodder House. Meanwhile, erstwhile, Gaetano, the tornado, the the guy tornado. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tasmanian devil. Yep. Uh, Peg leg Pete, guy, guy tornado. He guy also tornado. <laughs> he also is on his way to the Fodder House. He's he's like mm-hmm. he's on his way there because. He now knows that his brother wanted him dead. He wanted his family dead. He wanted his house burned to the ground. Um, right. What was that? Bronx Tale, maybe? Uh, I don't remember. Um, so he's going back to the house to get revenge on his brother. And we know that Gaetano's a tornado because that's what Josso said. So mm-hmm. he's going to go in there, guns ablazing. Meanwhile, all these parties are going to converge at the Fada house. Gaetano, Ooh. the outlaw witches... Swanee yeah. and Zelmar, and there's there's this small little battle. Okay, Swanee dies in the crossfire. You think so? Yep. Hmm. Calamari isn't at the house, but he catches wind of Pegleg Pete's rampage. Got it. So he gets fired up. So now he's like, "It's on! The old world Italians are rising up." And he goes to Apex to play some shoot 'em ups. So he's like, My boy Gaetano's back at the house. He's saying, Goodbye, Fada, goodbye, Mata. I'm gonna go to Apex, play me some shoot 'em ups. Meanwhile, Otis and Deffy Yeah. Otis and Deffy they witness the whole thing. They witness the whole thing at the Fada house. Because that's what they do. They're little birdies perched outside, just sitting in their car. Not really doing sure. too much. So they see right. that all go down. They're like, holy shit, it's going down. And Otis, yeah. being the, the Leo that he is, Otis the lion, Leo, Leotis, <laughs> he starts to get some courage and he's like, you know what? This is my time. I got to pick a side. I got to help my boy, Lloyd Cannon. Okay? So he's yeah. like, I got to blaze out of here and... Warn the cannons that shit's going down at the Fada House and everything's going crazy. And I saw Calamari take off and head towards the Apex vending machine fortress. So he goes to Apex. And all these parties are now converging at Apex, the true battleground. The The Apex of the... (laughs) Yes, the Apex of the war. Uh, Meanwhile, erstwhile... Tin Man and Dorothy Satchel are kind of just walking along the countryside with their hobo sticks and their sacks on a, on the end of their hobo sticks. <laughs> and they're like, do-do-do, well, I want to go uh, at least see my family before I head off. And right. Head off into the promised land. So they go kind of like sneaking along the rooftops is how I picture it. They're along the rooftops and they're looking down and they see, they see, uh, uh, Calamari like pull into Apex. They see Otis and Deffy pull in separately. They're not together. They're just all converging. And there was a fire fight. Okay. <laughs> I'm with Saints. your fan section here. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, uh, Tin Man, Rabbi Milligan, and Dorothy Satchel basically watch everybody like just get obliterated. 
Otis dies defending Roy Cannon. So he's going after Calamari. He's like, I'm going to defend my boy that I I picked this side now because I'm a courageous lion. <laughs> I'm really imagining you doing this with a cardboard cutout, uh, like pup- puppet theater, the way it's coming out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where do I diagram this out? And can I burst your bubble just a little bit? Oh, no. You don't think that you're missing pieces here? I'm getting there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I swear to God, I'm gonna wrap this up. Okay. Okay. Put put a bow on this for me. Okay. Brother. So Deffy escapes the bloodshed. Uh, for the rest of his career, he's now gonna have his ear to the ground, and uh, he's always gonna be looking for uh, the Mick and Satchel. The Mick. Did you know the Tin Man's name was Nick Chopper? Tin Man's name was Nick. The Tin Man was the Nick. And this is the Mick. Anyway. Okay, so. Meanwhile, so, so, so we had a, a battle at the Fada House. We had the big battle at the Apex. But guess what? Yeah, we yeah. have a whole other side of the story here. Uh, uh, uh. So on the other side of Oz, we've got Zelmar returning to the house. She's all butthurt because her lover's dead. So she's back at the Smutney House with Debrell, uh, with... Therm, what is the name? Thurman? Who even Thurman, knows? Yep. Who even Andrew knows Bird. Andrew Bird. With a- actual Andrew Bird. He's no, he's no yeah. longer Thurman. He has been tr- <laughs> the snowman transforms him into musician Andrew Bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so Zelmar is one of the Wicked Witches. She's there. Debrell's like, what's going on? Meanwhile, Snowman rises up and he's like, I'm going to start some shit now. It's been too long. Orietta's sneaking around the back porch. She's like, what's going on in here? I'm going to figure out what's going on. Uh, there's this there's this battle between Debrell and the Snowman and Zelmar because the Snowman's been haunting Debrell and Zelmar their entire life. And finally he rises up and he's trying to kill him. And all this and Debrell has all these like secret powers that we didn't know about until now and all this like magical stuff started happening. All of this like otherworldly energies combine to form an actual tornado that lifts the house off the ground and carries it away with Ethel Rita inside of it. Thurman, Debrell, Zelmar, they all and the snowman, they all perish in just giant, like crazy magical explosions. But Ethel Rita gets taken away in and that's your that's your magical mystery tornado crazy Oz UFO shit that you wanted. And it takes them away and it takes them to a whole nother land uh called Fargaz. <laughs> wow. How have I let you go on this long? <laughs> And so, then the next story begins, the blizzard of Fargas. When and where does the deals made to have uh, <laughs> Joe Bulo's gonna gotta show up because they've brought him up. That's not maybe unless that's just a passing thing. That's a passing thing. Uh, that's just passing. Never, he, Joe Bulo's never. Joe Bulo and his crew never coming back. Don't they never need the come guns. back. Orietta never connects guns, with Josto again. So they had like guns a are useless. Brief. Guns are useless against tornadoes. Uh, yep. And and happy happy's cousin doesn't Fuck. matter. Well, he doesn't he matter. dies in the apex shootout. No, no, happy though. I'm talking about happy. Oh, we we, we don't need, even know. We happy. need him. Happy's not coming. We don't know. He's never coming. And Orietta and Josto, they just had a little fling, so there's no more handies going on there. They they just never connect again. Whiz bang powder, it it wasn't a it was not built to last. Nope. That's how it all um, plays out, everyone. Wow. <laughs> I I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to help you, man. Do you, I so see do you what have any happens. predictions? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that deep. <laughs> I just want to Billy Madison you right there. In no way injury. That <laughs> is correct. No, the, oh, I thought you were gonna take your the, shirt off. No, the that in no way in any in any attempt to something something. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> well, you you went you went deep on that in your fan fiction. That's just what I do. It's not fan fiction. It's a. Mm-hmm. That's a prediction. I did have one note uh, that I just loved. Uh, 
if you go and look at there's that scene when they're at peewees and uh zelmar and uh and swanee are talking to the cowardly lion and they are just they look like a very interesting cast of characters together you should check it out it's it's approximately like maybe like 10 minutes left Mm, okay. But there, it's just, it just, it's a really great shot. Just for starters, it just looks really cool. It's there's all these blue, and they're both there. It, and it's a three shot, which makes me sit there and go, "Crap, are we wrong? Are we wrong?" We you know, be. maybe he is the lion, but the other two are they the people that are going to save "quote unquote" Dorothy or you know these unassuming? You know what I mean? Sure. Is it the unassuming people that we're not thinking about? I don't Could know. Very well be. Yeah. I don't know. His suit sure is brownish orange this episode. His Colossus. suit is. I mean, it look it almost looks like he's wearing the lion suit. He looks like he it's like that nice auburny brown color. He's got the little yeah. hat like on the back of his head and it's perfectly round. It looks like a like a little lion's mane behind his head. Yeah. They want us to give a shit about him for a reason. I don't know what that completely is yet. But, I mean, that's isn't that why we had to watch him pack up his house and have the flashback memory with his, his yeah. uh, lady he lost? I guess. They're trying to shoehorn some emotion in, into this episode, yeah. I feel, I felt like. Oh, the other thing I was going to say that I maybe didn't mention, there's been a few times, I think there's birds on his tie. Mm. Or one of the ties he's packing as well. There's so. birds on the pigeon's tie? Yeah. The pitch. All those little hummels got to get packed up so tidy. So tidy and nice. I don't know, man. I, uh, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be some mayhem and chaos in this next episode. I think you're right. That's a, that's a tornado. I'll agree to that for sure. That, that there's going to be a, a twisting and turning of things at a, at a pretty serious pace. Mm, so the show is the tornado. No, I mean, the situation is, you know, it's turbulent. But yeah. All right. I'm still, I'm going to literally edit this and re-listen to your whole thing, and I'm going to try diagram it. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it up on the wall behind you next time. I will, I will. the next Hot Dish. Season 4, Episode 8 is coming up next, folks. Uh, only five left, I think. Yeah. Well... So if you've got any thoughts on Sharpie's major theory or layaway or any of these things, and if we didn't get to some of your comments, we apologize, but we are reading them. We are looking at them. I reply to some people as I have a moment. Uh, you can email us at podcast at Fargo Talks Fargo. You can follow us on the Twitter at Fargo Talks Fargo. Uh, thanks to everybody who's sending out all sorts of uh, great tweets at us, and we appreciate that. And um, yeah, next week, Sunday. Episode 8. Yeah, we'll see you then. It's going to be on the other side of the world, man. Good yep. luck out there.